projection-wise, last question. What, what do you think out of the Browns? Out of curiosity. Eight wins, nine wins. Nobody cares. No, no Browns. I just, I just ask a lot, man. <laughs> you got to bark if we the underdog. Well, I mean, my coaches were, you know, I say my idols, but in a lot of ways, the guys that I respected uh, as much as anybody that, you know, I've ever been around. We're back with another episode of the Underdog Podcast. This is the place where knowledge nuggets aren't something you eat, but something you learn. But before we get to tonight's show, we want to say thank you. Whether it's your first time listening or you're a faithful listener, please download and leave a comment so we can continue to grow the underdog community. And with that, let's get after it. Hire good people and get out of the way. You know, hire good people and get out of the way. You can teach them to do what you want them to do in the job set. But, you know, you've, you've, you've made the decision to hire them, so why don't you trust them to do their job? So when you're talking about my management style of being hands-off, that doesn't mean I'm some, you know, dude that doesn't care that I'm slacking or whatever. You know, it, it's a double-edged sword because it's also, it puts, you know, I like to give autonomy to my coaches. I want them to feel vested. There have to be lines of delineation between the hierarchy within the organization, but I try to delineate those as much as possible. Today, we want to welcome Coach Tracy Smith, who is the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils baseball team. Welcome to the UDP, Coach. Well, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the dialogue. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Absolutely. So, so, Coach, we're gonna we're gonna do you right. We're gonna get you on a, on the hot seat. We know it's the morning time out in Arizona. No better way to start with a with something to stress your brain here. So, do you know what you have in common with Kanye West? No, I don't. <laughs> Bring it on. There we I'm, go. I'm, I'm so, excited so, to learn. So, so here's how we're going to connect you. One of your former coaches who we're friends with, uh, Ty Neal, and uh, he, he said you are smart enough, and I'm not going to put you in the same bucket as obviously Kanye And savvy. West, and savvy enough to should be running for the presidential election this coming fall with, we'll just throw Trump, Biden, and Kanye because he, he threw his name out there. So we were trying to say, hey, Tracy Smith, 2020 presidential election, because that's what one of your former assistants said. So... <laughs> Um, so is Kanye still in it? I did. I, I knew he. I mean, I know he went for it, and then we kind of had a little take the foot off the accelerator a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think in true Kanye uh, fashion, I think he's in and out about every other week, supposedly. But who knows? But it's uh, either on the wanna, Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, if you want to talk about a true underdog in the race, I would have to say that's probably going <laughs> to. Uh, yeah, but he, when he said you're um, – and that's one thing I think I saw across the, the board and talking to some people at Miami and Indiana especially, some of the connections there about how smart, hardworking, intelligent, and, uh, you know, maybe presidential, maybe a little stretch, but maybe not. So, anyway, I figured we start off with – with that this morning and uh, really appreciate your time as Calvin said and and uh, look forward to kind of reviewing your journey and, and over all the things that you overcame in your career so mm -hmm. so well yeah you almost scared me there if you were going to say that we had a mutual attraction for Kim I would have said no, <laughs> no not my not not my type so. <laughs> I'm mad at Shoot. you there so as I always say in, in the beginning of most of our episodes, uh, you know, this is the underdog and we know everyone has overcome adversity. Um, and, and for you being from a small town in Indiana, Kentland, um, which is a town less than 2000 people, um, as I told you, there's uh, I coached at uh, St. Joseph's College in Rensselaer, Indiana for three years. So no, you did not. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> and 
the reason this is <laughs> <laughs> right, if you guys can see what Coach is doing here on the Zoom, he, he's bowing down. because yeah. he. Yeah. That leads me to my question because – I was there for three years and coming from the big city to, to living there for three years, you can get caught up in the small town mindset. And a lot of times people would say in Rensselaer, you know, I'm scared of the big city. You, you know, why wouldn't you just, you're going to go to Indianapolis for the weekend and they would be just terrified of the big city. Um, and, and it's real there. So my question is, you know, how were you able to not get caught up in the small town mindset and go on to achieve, you know, at such a high level of success and sustained excellence, you know, within your profession? Well, great question. Um, honestly, I, I mean, the, the, the short answer was by accident. I mean, it, it's, I would say it started by accident. And what I mean by that was I knew coming out of Kentland, which if you know the area, so you know exactly what you're talking about. And great people, wonderful people, but you, you don't have the access to some things that you normally would when you expose your, you know, broaden your horizons in terms of just being in your everyday life. So when I mean accident was I was set to go to um, a school, I'll leave it nameless, but anyway, and kind of played and, and ended up in Miami of Ohio. Another thing we all have in common. Yep. Um, and that was kind of like my first, like I knew I wanted to go to a school that offered a lot. It makes a lot more sense to me now at 54 years old, why that's a cool decision. I didn't necessarily think that at the time, but it's the same decision-making process. Truly that I will challenge recruits to this day because I use exactly what you said. I said, I go back to my personal experiences. I could have stayed in this comfortable spot, something that, you know, was very, very uh, comfortable, as I said, to me, very easy to navigate. But what I've always tried to do in my life is take that next step. And the voice inside my head, this is going to sound a little corny, but it's always, it's, all right, Tracy Smith, if you're that good, go do this. And so it's like this incremental thing. So I was young and naive at the time. I did it because of sports and education. And I wanted to go to a wonderful institution like Miami, but that kind of led and, and, and fed into this mindset of ultimately just keep challenging yourself, broadening your expand, you know, your, your horizons and meet new people because it leads to new and challenging things. And did that come from, did that mindset, you know, did your family or what did you work? Were you like working out on the farm fields? You know, what, what were some of the things that kind of led to that mindset? Um, I, I was working, you know, I was detasseling corn and picking corn out of beans. And I was talking to another gentleman this week and he was talking, he said, Hey, I can't talk to you. I'm giving a, what do you say? Uh, something I'm, I'm teaching guys how to drive a forklift. And I was like, I've driven a forklift back in the seed, you know, the seed corn thing of Kentland. So, um, <laughs> all of that led into it. My dad was the barber in town. So knew everything. My mother was the secretary. Now they didn't do the the traditional college route. So that wasn't something that was talked about in our family, but it was just honestly trying to do well. The small town thing I will say still helps me to this day. Um, but it's just do well where you are. And then that ultimately leads to things, but no, it wasn't this, you know, I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, it wasn't this grand master plan. It just kind of happened organically throughout my career. And the one thing, Coach, you said there, do well where you are. And I think that was one consistent thing I, I saw in a lot of the interviews and really looking at your body of work is a lot of the other coaches we've had on, you know, be where your butt is or where your two feet are. And that's something I think if you look at sustaining excellence like you have, um, you know, that is something I've, I've seen. And a lot of people said how competitive you are from pickup football. I heard you're playing back in Oxford to uh, basketball. basketball. 
yeah, to, to flag football, which I heard you were tackling, um, and, uh, to, and, and, uh, and and getting blown up by my players too. So if you're right. going to dish it out, you got to be able to take it. There you go. There you go. But you know, the competitive juices, I know your dad being an AD at uh, Miami Middleton, Middletown. And, and, um, you know, I think those things, uh, you know, your competitive juices and being where you are, can you kind of touch upon that? Cause I think a lot of people we're in the employment business and, and, uh, we see so many people that just want to jump so quickly, not really stick into a place. And can you kind of touch upon, you know, work where you are, be focused, be the best teammate? Yeah. So the father-in-law was the the associate or the AD at the whatever. Okay. So, uh, but he was a Miami guy too. But there you go. Um, to your point, I mean, and, and, you know, and I see this play out every day in the athletic world of what we deal with um, in, in, in the baseball sense, but that's been a big thing for life. And I've got three sons that have all played, you know, and one currently playing division one athletics and just that might, because you said, and I hate sounding like the old guy, Hey, you know, you young kids, this is what you do. But I mean, everyone's always looking for the next thing. So just in my world of recruiting a high school baseball kid, you know, so what's he playing for? I always try to figure out what are you playing for? And then you'll inevitably, well, I want to get a big scholarship to a place. And my whole thing is, well, why don't you just, why don't you just focus on being a great teammate, a great practice player, try to win some baseball games and be wonderful of where you are right now. Because guess what? If you do that, it's probably going to lend itself to a nice path of the things that you're talking about. And so I'll go back to the statement. I think I made a little, I'm not going to ask kids to do something that I don't try to do myself. So I'm not, I'm never, everybody, and you know this, you guys are both former athletes. What's the question the parents always ask the coach is, hey, coach, are you going to be here, you know, as through the recruiting process? And I'm like, my mindset legitimately is I'm not looking for the next job. I'm really not. Because if, I, if I'm looking for the next job, that's taken. Now, it may be a small percentage. It may be a big percentage. It's taken energy away from and focus away from what I should be doing right now to make this place the best thing ever. I am fortunate. You know, I've never, I, I, I won't say I've never, entered, I've never applied for a job. How about that? In the coaching profession, they always, you know, so if you're focused on just doing a good job, guess what? If you're doing you. a good job. Yeah, they'll find you. Yep. So, I mean, I just, it's hard to do because that's not how a lot of people are. They're so focused on the instant gratification. Um, and, and, you know, it's so apropos we're talking, I was, my son drove in to work with me and, we were talking about this very subject. I said, you know what? In life, man, if you just do a great job at what you're doing, guess what's going to happen, man? That'll lead to all these other things. And easier said than done. But that's really, truly been the mindset. And, um, you know, we try to co- – and I try to coach that in our players all the time. Yeah, so, one, one thing I, I saw, too, uh, I would love for you to touch upon being an early, young head coach. Uh, the guy I played with, Sean McVay, obviously was an extremely young head coach. You were a very young head coach. and I think, uh, you know, we recently had, as I mentioned, Urban on, and he talked about, uh, and I think you said you were a psycho, and I think Urban actually might have said close to the same thing. And I, and I, and I am, too, being a young leader here. Is I've, you know, matured when I had kids, and I know you touched upon, you know, having kids. I think now you're a grandpa. Can you touch upon being uh, a couple things here? One, being a very young coach and having to, you know, lead really players that weren't that too far from age from you. And then twofold is how has that changed and what could you recommend to others as a transferable skill set from coaching maybe into, you know, a career in, in the right. in the workforce? 
Well, it, again, funny you say that. I saw on Facebook the other day one of my former players, Jerry Poppy. Um, you know how they do the 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 birthday thing where they're hey, so and I looked and it's like he he's forty nine. I'm like, four, how can he be forty nine years? And I'm like, you're right. I mean, I was coaching him when I was just a few years older than him. Um, yeah, so um, I, I, the the long answer is, or the short answer, you got to evolve, you know. And I think we all evolve. And being a head coach at thirty, I feel like, you know, are we ever ready for your first job? I don't know that you're ready, but you do it. You, you make decisions and you do things based on the information you have at time uh, at the time. I think our life circumstances, whether it's the business world, the coaching world, relationship world, whatever domain you want to apply that in you grow and you develop and i think and i'm not calling myself successful but i think the successful ones have to do that you know and i go back to the day so it's life experiences make that happen for me i try to look at where I, when i first was coaching it was like you were either we're doing it this way or it's the highway and I, yeah, you use the word psycho. I was psycho. If you ask my players, I'd be like, man, he was tough. They all say I'm soft now. Maybe I am. Um, <laughs> but when you raise, so for me, it was, the, it was the arena of raising kids and having a family yourself and seeing the trials and tribulations. And I don't know where you guys are in your, you know, family lives or careers. And um, we think we have it figured out, but when your own kids come up through that, you learn Hey man, there's, there's different ways or everything's not perfect or there's always a story behind. So where maybe I wasn't as, I don't know word I'm looking for, like take a step back. Let's evaluate the situation. I become a lot less judgmental initially, like a lot more patience. It's going to be okay. There's, there's more than one way to get to the end game. And and, you know, and what that also takes is, is just to be able to take a step back and say, hey, get your ego out of the way. Let's get to the, let's, let's get to the core of where we want to be and evaluate it that way. So for me, it was the parenting, knowing that um, I want to I motivate and I want to treat my players, my kids, my employees like I want to be treated or like my kids want to be treated, but I would expect my kids to be treated. So um, I'm not there yet. I mean, I'm still evolving every day here. You know, I'm. 30 years into my profession, but I still feel like, man, I got a ton to learn and things change and adapt. And we've all had to change with what we're dealing with right now. I mean, the COVID has changed. If you don't, if you don't evolve, you're done, man, you get left behind. So, uh, I, man, you've done your homework, Kyle. We, <laughs> I wouldn't say, all, I wouldn't say all that. No, I, yeah. I reached out to about three people. I said, man, I got to dig some. I was watching all the interviews. I said, I got to get, I got to get him on something. So yeah, I, I uh, the one thing it, it kind of rings when you talk about you, I, I heard you talking about a couple of big guys that you've coached and I'm sure um, there's a lot more players than just Kyle Schwarber and Torque. Turk, right? I get that right. I've been butchering names all yeah. day today. Um, Spencer Torkelson. Yeah, yep. I should know that. He's the number one draft pick <laughs> in the yep. MLB draft. Uh, yeah, to say a few uh, names of great players, obviously, you have recruited. Um, but you, those guys in particular, I've heard you talk about just the character, I guess, the discipline, and they were overall athletes. And I, and, and I think you, it seems like you being a, a competitive person and multi-sport person, do you really value that in the body of how you build your team is, is the more, diversity more than, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's easy to talk and that, you know, when you talk about the first overall pick, there's a lot of talented guys in the country, but what's the difference between being the number one 
or the top 10 or whatever. And, and it's those little things of, hey, the skill level's off the charts, but let me tell you what else is off the charts. I mean, the makeup piece of it. Um, I just actually just had our first uh, information meeting with my team yesterday. And this very subject we're talking about, like, hey, I know all of you come here to be MLB players and make careers out of this. But let me tell you uh, a reality of life is nobody's going to remember what you hit, what, you know, how many innings you had. But what they are going to remember is, were you a great teammate? You know, was that guy, I always say, was that, was that a good dude? Like if, if 20 years from now, for, for all of us, you know, as we're sitting here in our, uh, our conversations, you, I bet you would feel more, um, you would feel more sense of satisfaction if your teammates, you know, you, you left this earth today and they described you, Calvin, as, man, that guy was a great teammate. I just love being around. It made me feel better being around. Same thing, Kyle, as opposed to that dude was a stud, whatever, but he was a jerk. And so right. we literally hammer that home all the time because that's what matters. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the given is guys are going to be talented here. So let's, let's develop those other pieces. And you referenced Torkelson and Schwarber. Um, and every, every interview I would do about them, whether it was with a major league team to say, Hey, tell me about them. I'm like, Hey man, I, you got the, the physical piece of it easy, but let me tell you what makes these guys special and different. It's who they are as people. So and they want in real quick, Calvin, just want to touch upon the program versus, you know, coaching baseball that really helped me like listening to you talk about, and I don't know if you can you know, kind of stick on that when you're talking about developing, you know, young men into more than just, you know, baseball players, uh, but overall in you, obviously you're fundraising and doing different things. And that really, I saw that in myself being a direct contributor and being a direct manager and then stepping into my role to oversee the whole company, how much time you actually work on the business versus being in the business. Can you kind of touch upon how you've built a program where you've been not only at Arizona state, Indiana, Miami, so yeah. and so forth in, in the differences of, maybe someone that's taking that transition like you coach Smith of saying, okay, Hey, I'm going from just being a manager now to them being the CEO of, of uh, a program. Well, let's see if I can find this thing. So it's funny you talk about the CEO. I know you've probably seen that, but I mean, that was the whole premise of the, uh, you know, the business model. I'm just showing this to you right now, but this was the business model wow. that we put together. That's how we refer to, you know, the CEO or the head coach of baseball. I think the, the thing I would say to most, you referenced my early career, Miami University of Middletown is where I started. I think people think they need to change and become this superhuman every single time they step up. I tell people all the time, I'm the same guy that left Kentland, Indiana, small town values and treat people with respect. Um, and that has served me well at every level. I had a really good... Um, a friend, Butch Carter, who, if you remember, he was the head coach of the Toronto Raptors with Vince mm -hmm. Carter when he was coming in. And, yep. and uh, Butch, Butch had coached at Middletown, Ohio, coached my brother-in-law at Middletown. And I remember having a conversation with him. So I watched Butch coach high school. Then he steps up, and now he's coaching the Toronto Raptors. And I remember talking to him. I go, hey, man, like, what's the difference? Like, you know, do you, you – he goes, Tracy, he goes, I'm doing the same things now with the Toronto Raptors that I did with the Middletown Middies. So just being – um, you know, not trying to, to change. So I, and I want to go directly to what you're getting at. So tell me specifically, like, what are you trying to get at with that, Kyle? Like, 
Yeah, I, I think a great takeaway, uh, I guess, selfishly for me, uh, kind of still kind of transitioning from a direct contributor, like you said, in one of the interviews, I guess you really touched upon just being kind of a manager of baseball and you kind of had to evolve to being the CEO and maybe right. what what is that step and some things that maybe, and it sounds like you just said, kind of defined a little bit is that not a whole lot has to change. You have to evolve, but let me jump in. Being Kyle, humble, you know, I think because I think it's one of the things we have on here is like one of the things you talk about or we were told um, in our research is kind of your leadership style is very hands off, you know, um, being and making kind of that transition, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, the expectation is like my father, going back to my father-in-law, who was the, the administrator at Miami Middletown and was the AD at Miami Middletown. One of the things that he said that really stuck out to me and that I've applied at every level I've been is hire good people and get out of the way. You know, hire good people and get out of the way. You can teach them to do what you want them to do in the job set, but you know, you've 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 made the decision to hire them. So why don't you trust them to do their job? So when you're talking about my management style of being hands off, that doesn't mean I'm some, you know, dude that doesn't care that I'm slacking or whatever. You know, it's it's a double edged sword because it's also it puts, you know, I like to give autonomy to my coaches. I want them to feel vested. There have to be lines of delineation between the hierarchy within the organization, but I try to delineate those as much as possible because what is, what is the end game? The end game is success for our organization. So who really cares who gets the credit? But with that, there is an expectation. There is accountability, everything associated with, if I'm going to give you the autonomy to do the job, then guess what? I also expect you to do your job. And all of us have been in work situations or relationship situations or team situations where you've worked with and for different leaders. You take the good and the bad. I've worked in situations where it was, this is what we do. We, I don't care if you have anything to do. You stay here until five. Like I'm, That's never made sense to me. It's like, do your work. If it takes you till 10 o'clock at night, stay till 10 o'clock. If your work is finished by three o'clock, because again, what's the end game? The end game is the success of our organization. And if you're making decisions on a daily basis that either impact that winning or losing on a negative or positive way, that's on you. And I love to give freedom. And guess what they do in return when you give that autonomy and trust? They, work they run through a wall. Right, exactly. I mean, nope. Tr Tracy, how do you want to be motivated? My simple response is, I want to... I, I, or how do you motivate your players? I motivate them the same way that I want to be motivated. Show me you care about me. Show me your interest in me as a human, and then let me do my job. That think, motivates me. I think that goes along with the quote that I saw. Um, it said, "The more money we invest in you, the greater the expectation of uh, of your contribution becomes." The scholarship to me has always been an enticement to come. It doesn't mean a thing. Meaning, you know, if you care to elaborate on on kind of what that means for someone listening, because a lot of times you hear parents and the whole scholarship right. thing and players and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. You, you think, <laughs> um, well, you know, you guys, you guys were in the ivory tower, you know, football, it was like, you know, you got your scholarships and those were, uh, those were all equal. You know, I'm, I'm being, I'm being facetious here. And, and, uh, in baseball, we have 11.7 scholarships and you have a roster of 35 kids. So you have to divvy that money up. And there's this perception sometimes, and, and you can, again, apply this across multiple um, arenas where, well, I'm, I give you more scholarship. That means you've got, a, you know, you've got an easier avenue to play in time or whatever. Well, in my mind, it works directly the opposite. 
It's like, if we're investing a lot of money in you, which isn't tight, that means nothing in terms of playing time. It just means you got a shorter time to, from a business perspective, that's the investment. We need to return on our investment. So if you're not producing at a high level, guess what? Your, your, your little timetable gets shortened there. And it's just funny because people, in real time, people think it's the other way. Well, coach, you're not offering. Well, what I'm offering you is an opportunity. And what you do with that opportunity is up to you. And it doesn't matter whether, and you know, I've heard it, you can imagine, you know, hey, he's on this amount, therefore he's playing. No, let's go back to what I said earlier. I want to win, man. Like, I want to win. So and for us to win, you think I want to make decisions based on how much is in this person or how much is in that person? No, that is just an enticement to get you to come to our university. Once you're there, you're a part of that roster and you will earn every single thing you get, period. And so I would call, and so, you know, back to the business, a high salary, if someone's paying someone a high salary in business, they're probably expecting a decent return, you know? And so it's no different than what's going to happen in life. And, and, and that's what we try to do is mirror that stuff. Yeah. I'm still waiting, uh, Calvin, play his salary, and I'm still waiting for that return. So, uh, we're, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Coach, you hiring? Uh, <laughs> well, in, in these days, no. <laughs> Dang it. Well, I guess I can't look for the next best opportunity. So, well, uh, keep both feet in today, Calvin. Keep doing a good job. Things will happen. I, I so. like it. Played that, played that well. Played that real well. Um, one of the other things I know we talked about was just trusting the process, um, you know, in the up and down years, you know, and that's something that you talk about a lot. Um, can you just elaborate on what that term means to you when you just say trusting the process and being a good teammate? Well, yeah, well, one, I mean, I, I think everything you, you outline clear expectations, you put the plan. One of my, you know, one of my favorite sayings is I'll say, Hey man, we're going to, um, we're going to execute the game plan and panic's not part of the game plan. I love that because in life, in sports, in everything, you're not, it's not always going to be perfect. Like you're going to have to be able to adjust, adapt, refigure. And um, when I came out here, I mean, think about Arizona state, this program doesn't lose a lot or has never lost a lot, you know, and you were back to maybe Kyle, what you were referencing earlier about uh, administration. I said, okay, well, you know, why me? Why, why, why bring this dude from Kentland, Indiana, who knows nobody out here, who's an underdog, um, why me, why me, why me to be the coach to lead your program? Well, we noticed that you value culture and you've got a pretty good track record of recruiting talent. And, um, so for me back, the culture piece of it is huge. Like if you don't start with those blocks, um, you're in trouble. So, um, coming out here, we, you know, we, 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 we had, you, you read it. We had a couple losing seasons and man, we were, we were beating we were getting beat up publicly and still, I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, it's the nature of the beast. I mean, urban, you said you talked to urban urban, like we are evaluated publicly, but you have to remain like, if you have a clear vision and you've, you've given out your jobs to be done and you know this. And for me, I had the luxury going back to 30 years old. I don't know that I could have done this job at 30 years old because I didn't have the experience yet of knowing, Hey man, your system works, you know? And so I, and I, and I have a vivid memory in 2013 when we were doing the first presser at the college world series and I'm in Indiana, which was a program by the way. That said and you, you were national coach of the year that year. Let's just, let's just throw that plug out there. Thank you for the plug. The twenties <laughs> in the mail. Uh, I, I remember, I remember looking down the table and I see Dan McDonald and the, you know, John Savage and all these guys that I've admired 
in the profession. And, and I remember my thought in my head was your system works, you know, like it was valid because that's where we're trying to get. I mean, that's the pinnacle of our profession. So now you fast forward, you take this job, you come in, you're to change the culture, you're to elevate the talent. Well, to do that, and I'm not saying the former coach was wrong or the former CEO or the former boss. It's just, we all have our own system. So I'm not here to judge his system. I just know what system works for me. So to get those employees in, players, and to get your system in place, we, we, we hit a lull, you know, because we were building culture for sustainable success. Yes, we could have done the mercenary approach and gotten junior college players and whatever, where they're there for a year, but we like to establish culture. Well, through that, you know, you've read the records. We, we had a couple losing seasons. But we knew where we were going on the other side. And it was important for me, one, to have an administration of the boss that we lay that out, that supported that, to gave the time for that to happen. Because in today's athletics, I think there's often this time that people forget about the culture. They make the quick decision because they want everything now. And, you know, we, uh, you got to be strong. You got to be convicted. You, you know, you got to stay with what you know is right. And I had the experience of Miami of Ohio taking that program that was struggling at the time we took the job we build it but if you go back and you look at the blueprint of miami of indiana and now at asu it's following to a t it literally is a little bit of struggle whatever but that's your culture you're putting your foundation in you're putting your pillars in you're making tough decisions because you may have to eliminate great player because they don't do those other things that that are pillars of our program and when you take the time to do that, you have the strength to do that. You stay with it. It, it were, at least it has in my career, you know, that's what was so unfortunate about here last year. If you read about like, we had probably the best team, best team I've ever had. I mean, Torkelson, we talked about, like we didn't get to show that product off of all the labor of the tough years. It was like, this is going to be the fun part because now people are going to see what we're talking about. Right. Well, then it did, sure. you know, it didn't happen. So, but I know, you know, I, I, I know where it is. We know we're fine. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I think that's something a little bit, uh, coach Martin at Miami, uh, trusting his process. He talked a lot about that, what he did at grand Valley state and mm -hmm. he hit some right. really rough years at Miami and he talked about just staying the course and, and trusting the process. And I think the elite coaches are willing to do that. Like you said, and you become under a lot of scrutiny and, and knowledge nugget. We call him uh, coach Smith. I think it was great is there's no panic in my game plan or part of the game plan. I think talk about COVID and pandemic right now. I think that quote alone, you know, so many, I, I feel as though at least uh, the panic is obviously at an all time high in my lifetime of, yep. of, in people's game plan. I think that's something for all of us to remember. Anyone that's listening is coach Smith's words of like, Hey, just, you know, don't panic, you know, it's part of the game plan. It's part of life. You know, we're going to get through this, stick to your process. And I think that's really yeah. resonates hopefully with anyone in any facet of life. Um, as we go, we, we usually end with a couple uh, hot seat uh, questions. Mr. Blackman uh, came up with a couple, so we'll, we'll end it with a few of those. I think he took it easy. I'm going to have to throw a, a hot one in here, but uh, yeah, he, he did. He, he took it easy on me. I, I've yet to feel <laughs> the hot seat. And just keep in mind, 
when we're in 110 to 115 every day, I'm on a hot seat every day. So bring it on. I'm ready. It's I'm like ready. 75 here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think he misses Cincinnati, Calvin. I don't think you can. Yeah. Uh, this is like one of uh, 365 that is actually nice here. But uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you what. I miss my skyline, though. I do. My skyline, chilly. So, okay. hey, you know what? We're going to send, since you're giving us some time today, we're going to send you a little. Uh, a little box or whatever those little packages they put together. Calvin, we're going to make that happen. We're going to send uh, Coach Smith a, a, a skyline box. So. I notice this is being recorded, so I'm going to hold you to that. I've got evidence. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right, you ready? Ready. All right, so um, I believe the rumor is, and you can confirm this and maybe you have a story for it, uh, was your office when you were at IU, uh, I believe in Assembly Hall, um, did that used to be the great Bob Knight's office? Is that is that a true statement? It it is. I would always say if wall if these walls could talk, <laughs> you know. And uh, you know the crazy part about that too is where the office was located. It was on the ramp, kind of leading up to like when a home basketball game would happen, people would walk by the office all the time. And I said, you know what, a great fundraising idea would be because these people would pay for it. Is do Bobby Knight office tours? You know, and like if I literally stood outside and said, hey, this is Coach Knight's office, pay five bucks, you can come in and look at it. I promise you they would have done it. And one of the things, one of the props that we said we'd have to do, we first of all, we'd get a lookalike Bobby Knight thing and put it in the thing. But then we would have like a chair that would be <laughs> like, like it was thrown through the wall or suction cup to the wall, you know, like, but no, it was, uh, it was pretty, honestly, for me, I grew up, you know, I, it was it was pretty cool being in there. It really That's was. Awesome. That's yeah, I saw I saw a picture of you in one of the interviews with an Indiana basketball jersey. You're playing pickup or something. So I heard you got a little hoop skills there. Did you ever play with Bob Knight? Actually, pickup? Did he ever play? I don't know how old he was. Well, then, uh, no. Um, so this is going to tie in Calvin back. So when I was recruit, I was actually thought I was going to be a college basketball player. The old St. Joe Pumas had offered me to play basketball uh, nice. at, at a high school. So I love playing, would play down there. Uh, my brother-in-law does like fantasy camp stuff. So funny story. So he had one at Indiana. So Mark Cuban and guys like that were playing. And so a lot of these guys, and you'll, you'll get a kid. So back to the competitive, competitive Tracy Smith. Okay. So it's fall. We're supposed to play. We got a home game scheduled against like University of Indy. Uh, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but you know what? Who cares? Time has passed. So we're supposed to play in Indianapolis and say it's like noon. All right. They're going to come down and play. Well, we're in this fantasy basketball camp. And I do get the problem with that is I'm old, but I'm, my mind's still uncompetitive. So we're going through the winner's bracket. Well, the championship game on, you know, assembly hall, whatever, our team, which is made up of a bunch of older guys, the game, the championship game was at noon. But I've got a baseball game that I'm supposed to coach with my high-powered Indiana Hoosiers at noon against Indy. I'm like, man, I I want to win this championship and this little <laughs> fantasy basketball thing, but we got Indy coming down. So it was hilarious. There were some clouds in the sky or whatever around Bloomington. So I remember I, I said, Hey, what, let's call Indy, hold them off a little bit. Tell them there's a little rain coming in the area here. We got to push the game back to two. <laughs> so, and we ended up losing the championship game anyway, but I pushed that game back to play a fantasy basketball championship game. That is awesome. No, I think that's that's unheard of. (laughs) I think that's fantastic. All right, next next question. Sorry about that. Sorry. Oh, you're good. That's great. That was that was incredible. That's why we ask. 
Yeah, yeah. Right here on the underdog, getting it out. Um, so I heard your your son has a great arm, quarterback, I think, at Arizona State, to my understanding. Who has a better arm, Tracy Smith at his prime or your son at his prime? Who who could, you know, baseball, football? Because I heard you could chuck it too. So first of all, I'm insulted you even asked that question. Like that's <laughs> get him, like, get him, coach. It's, get it, him. It's 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 a given now, but boy, so. We always have that. You're right. You know, my, I, my, all my boys played college athletics, but I'm quick to remind them. I'm always like, ah, oh, you guys can pop off all you want, but to this date, only one of us received a paycheck to play sports, and that's your old man. So until you are a pro, pipe down, guys. You got, you know, so, Mic drop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why I don't ask hot questions because I just get stoned. Yeah, that, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So, yep. yeah, what? Uh, win, winner to Tracy there. So, um, yep. and then your boys are named after famous baseball players. Is that right? Did I get that? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So how yep. many do you Casey, have again? Casey, uh, my oldest Casey at the bat, Ty, people think it's Ty Griffin, but, it, or I'm sorry, Ty Cobb, but it's really after Ty Griffin. You can see my Cubs thing in the back and 88, whatever I was picked, Ty Griffin was the first overall pick of the Cubs and we played together. So I like that name. And then Jack is named after, um, Jackie Robinson. So oh, fantastic. Nice. Okay. Which, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you mean to ask the last one, Kyle, or do you have another? Yeah, one? no, you I got, got it. I got one yeah, more. You got it. All right. And I actually stole this from another podcast that I listened to. So question is, who should we have as our as a guest on the underdog podcast? But before you answer, it has to be someone you could potentially connect us with. Oh, I see how you guys work. You roll in the <laughs> professional with the actual networking vibe piece of it. I, I like that. Um, Hot seat. Uh, yeah. Um, what would I mean? What would be a good one? Well, I mean, you know, you guys should get Schwarber on there at some point. I mean, you talk about an underdog. You know, I mean, here's a guy that, you know, non but with the, the local flavor um, uh, because, you know, he wasn't recruited heavily out of high school and whatever, and then obviously uh, ends up what he is. So I think he would be a great one just from an athlete player perspective. Um, and the coaching rank, I'm just trying to think even the coaching piece of it, like I could. There's multiple on that. But I think he would be an interesting story. I think you'd have a chance of potentially getting him on there, too, just because the local piece of it. Um, yeah, middle committee. Uh, what about, uh, uh, say, Butch Carter? Butch would be fantastic. Actually, Butch would – you want to talk about some gold? Like when he's talking, he would be – there's some really, really good nuggets. And his path – like he's one of my – just my mentor, like listening to him and talking to him. And he was really helpful in me early in my career of, you know, strategies. Butch Carter would be excellent. Yeah, that's a good one. Awesome. Awesome. Well, fantastic. I will help you set that up, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Miami man helping us out. And uh, hey, this so is we really recorded. Yeah, it's recorded. Yeah, we, we'll send you Skyline for Schwarber. Is that a, that's well a trade played. right there. <laughs> well played. We want to respect yeah, your well time, played. Coach, definitely. But uh, no, uh, Coach Smith, you were uh, fantastic. We wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to, to speak with you and the knowledge nuggets you dropped for us and our audience. Can't uh, thank you enough. Thanks for having me on. Enjoyed it, really.
Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Coach. We'll uh, we'll definitely be in touch, and uh, good luck to you. Hopefully, uh, hopefully th things are back to normal come the fall or come the spring. You get out to the desert, look me up, and I'll uh, I'll help you on that other stuff too. Awesome, awesome. Sounds we appreciate good. it, man. Thank you very much. All right, thanks. Okay, coach. I got to run. All right, All right thanks. We'll yep, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google Podcast apps, and send our Twitter handle a screenshot of your rating at underdog pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt see you next week on the udp